Welcome to Invoking Witchcraft, the podcast where the sacred and profane come out to play. So call the quarters and set the round. It's time for another episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Invoking Witchcraft. My name is Jay Allen Cross, and I am here with my co-host... Britton Boyd, also known as Archaic Honey on Instagram, and uh, not so much on Twitter anymore. I've kind of veered away from the Twitter lately. Just haven't been feeling it. Haven't been feeling social media. Yeah, the vibe has really gone downhill, particularly on Twitter, but definitely on the other ones as well. It's just turned into a lot of negativity, a lot of just like, like I was scrolling the other day and it was nothing but call outs, like no nuance, bitching about other people in their practice. And I'm like, y'all, what are we doing here? Like, this isn't fun anymore. Seriously, I saw your posts about that. It's just been it's just been a general weird vibe. But, you know, we've been going through Venus retrograde, which is Mm -hmm. over and we're in the bottleneck of the end of Mercury retrograde right now. And it's just Mm -hmm. been it's been a time. It has been a time. And I feel like this Mercury retrograde has been particularly um I don't know, tight. I very much feel like we're all being forced through a very narrow opening. I feel kind of for the month of January and and currently we're in early February. This is February 2nd when we're recording this. um, Very much feeling like I'm being squeezed out of a tube of toothpaste. I feel I'm Mm -hmm. feeling a little uncomfortable. I'm feeling a little constricted. I'm feeling like a lot of things are kind of moving forward, but I have to wait for other things to go through first before I can. Mm-hmm. Um, is kind of what a lot of it's feeling. And this weird area now that Venus is direct, but we're still in the, kind of the last couple of days of Mercury retrograde. It's It's been a very odd few days. Things have gotten extra tight. I feel kind of like a like boa constricted a little bit. Are you feeling similar? Oh my God, yes. So I've been planning this trip uh, out to Western Oregon for a little bit. And of course, a little mini like snow winter advisory has been alerted for my area. And just for reference, I live up in a high mountain valley. And to get out of here, you have to drop an elevation, which means going through like multiple passes and dropping an elevation. And um, the road conditions in this like certain section of the highway is just absolutely bananas and terrible. And there's wrecks all the time. And, and I'm like, I was going to leave tomorrow, but And tomorrow, Mercury goes direct, and I'm just like, everything is stalled right now. And I'm like, (laughs) restless. I'm frustrated. I really, really want to get out of here. I just want to go see some green things and like see my plant buddies that I haven't seen in years, you know? Yeah. Or not years. It's actually only been like a few months, (laughs) but it feels like years. years. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, especially because you've been snowed in over there like it's the shining and so no wonder you're wanting to get out and it's true it's it's not necessarily that things are blocked it's just we're getting a lot of not yet yeah not yet i think that might be the lesson of this mercury retrograde i keep i always try whenever i go through a struggle whether it's mercury retrograde or some sort of life transition or whatever i tend to find some sort i try to find some sort of a lesson in it simply Mm -hmm. because I feel like that way it becomes worthwhile. And so maybe the lesson of this one is, you know, we may not get what we want right away, but it is coming. Maybe that's the moral of this one. Who Mm -hmm. knows? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's always good to find the good and the silver lining through our struggles. Like I've been going through it these last few months and I'm like, you know what? Something good's got to come out of this. Like something. And usually with retrogrades, it's an opportunity to review and and learn or relearn a lesson that we've been given um, through these times. So it's always good to just kind of slow your slow your roll and mm-hmm. let it play out. And like, don't take the road trip when there's a winter weather advisory. Okay. <laughs> It'll all be OK if we go the next day. Mm-hmm. Or even just later that day, you know. Later that day, yeah, that. right. But this Aries is like, uh-uh. <laughs> we gonna plow through it. 
just got that four-wheel drive. We're going to just get it. So we are we are coming through that, and um, I have recently discovered a uh, an un an unknown, or I guess um, unanticipated snafu mm-hmm. in the witchcraft community lately. So some of you know I do have a book coming out in September that revolves around kind of paranormal investigation for witches, and so I've kind of started, you know, broaching the subject of paranormal investigation in witchcraft spaces like places like twitter mm-hmm. huge mistake <laughs> oh boy um i i was honestly kind of shocked at the response that i got because you know paranormal investigation and witchcraft have always kind of been decidedly separate sides of the pond they you have know, they, there's not a lot of intermingling that goes on which is um, weird to me right because you would think that we would kind of be at least somewhat overlapped or, or connected or at least mm-hmm. have similar ideas. But I'm starting to figure out why. And the shocking thing that I'm coming to find is that a lot of witches have been exposed to paranormal investigation only through television. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, there, and through that experience and through that lens have made very strong uh, assumptions and have taken very strong stances on how they feel about the entire practice of paranormal investigation based off of television. Mm -hmm. And that's very strange because you would think as witches, we would know that media representation is not always accurate. Right. So that's something that I'm running into. I have a lot of people who are responding that um, a, a shocking number of them think that all paranormal investigation either happens on or for television. And the only reason people do paranormal investigation is to get on TV or to get notoriety or to get like views. Mm-hmm. And that's really not the case. <laughs> um, right. Most- like- like, I've learned that through being in a relationship with you. Like, mm-hmm. you've really taught me a lot about how paranormal investigation works. And it can be mm-hmm. like a private practice or things mm-hmm. or something that you do for other people. Absolutely. And honestly, a lot of people, if if witches would ask paranormal investigators instead of just watching the TV and assuming, um, you know, what brings people to paranormal investigation? I would say the vast majority, I would say up upwards of 75% of people I've talked to. And they've been like, what brought you to paranormal investigation? The answer is usually um, childhood experiences that mm-hmm. they're still trying to figure out. Um, things like they either grew up in a haunted home or they came across some sort of an entity or a creature um, at some point that they knew re- that the experience really happened, but they don't know what it was. And they've been searching kind of for answers ever since. So there, there's a lot more to paranormal investigation than what we see on TV and what we see on TV is a horrible um, kind of representation of it, especially in kind of the very popular ones where it's people who are just shouting at ghosts and like challenging them to fight and like all this stuff, like that's awful. And that is something that I, I rarely see in actual paranormal investigation. That's something honestly on my team would get you kicked off. And I know a lot of other teams that feel the exact same way. So I don't think that's really representative of the whole practice, but folks think it is because that's what's shown on TV because it's dramatic. It gets people to tune in, things like that. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we'll see how this goes between now and September of me trying to uh, re-educate the witchcraft community a little bit on paranormal investigation. And maybe we can have some investigators on the show or speak with some psychics or mediums or mm-hmm. um, things like that who have engaged in the work. And then um, and then we'll figure it out because it's, it's it's been very odd to see the assumptions that people have. Right. You know, one show that has actually kind of, I think, bridges that gap a little bit is Hellier, because one of the investigators is, I assume, identifies as a witch Mm -hmm. and like kind of bridges that gap there. And I I found it really fascinating. And Hellier is really good. Um, It's it totally freaked me out, but (laughs) it was it's a really good show. Um, And I appreciate that they they approach with reverence and respect. It seems mm-hmm. like most of the time they're not just out there for kicks and like shits and giggles and stuff. 
Absolutely. And shout out to Dana Newkirk, who is helping to bridge that gap between mm-hmm. paranormal investigation and witchcraft. And I, um, I actually like a lot of the stuff that she does in Hellier. Um, what's weird, though, is she got some blowback from her tarot reading um, as a means of trying to um, kind of communicate with the phenomenon or or to kind of get information about it. Uh, because the tarot cards that she pulled and what she interpreted them out as were not traditional right. uh, interpretations of the cards that she pulled. But I do very much think that her interpretation was correct because she followed her intuition. And I think that that was deeper. But for a while, I'm wondering if it's still there on their IMDb. There's an area for like bloopers or mistakes or whatever. And it says that her tarot card reading was wrong in it. And I'm like, I'm like, that's tarot cannot be condensed down to just the traditional textbook meanings. There's so much more to it than that. So there really is. Yeah, so keep up the great work, Dana. Thank you for helping us to kind of bridge that divide. Mm-hmm, definitely. And remember always that there's nuance to everything. Nuance exists, and what you see on TV is not always the truth of all communities, and we should know that by now. But um, so today's episode, this, yes. is, this is part two of our traveling as a witch Uh, kind of series here, which I think is going to be helpful for a lot of folks who are looking to hit the road. I know we've all been very uh, cooped up with the COVID and uh, you are recovering currently from a little illness yourself. Are are we on the other end? Right. I am. I don't think, I don't know if I had COVID or not. Uh, I had no transportation to go get tested, um, but Mm. I was ill for a little while. Um, My roommate tested negative. So I assume I perhaps didn't have it because I got whatever they had. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm on the other side of it now. Um, Have a little occasional rare cough, um, Mm -hmm. but that's about it. Um, But I am like feeling pretty good. Awesome. That is excellent. So a lot of people are kind of either getting over something or either way with the pandemic, we have been becoming a little bit restless. So the uh, the traveling, I think, is something that might begin again in the not too distant future. Um, so kind of where I want to start with this is spirits mm-hmm. of travel, because travel is not just something that we do. It's also in, in a way, a place, a transitionary place. Maybe we could even call it a liminal place to be, yeah. to be traveling. We are between places, between destinations, um, existing wherever we are. And so there are actually a a fair number of spirits that are either connected to or involved in travel. Mm -hmm. Um, Are there any that come to your mind right away or any that you tend to work with when it comes to travel? Yes. Um, Primarily when I think of traveling and spirits, I think of Mercury and or Hermes Mm -hmm. Um, very much associated with travel and um, movement. Um, that has been the primary deity. I used to have a pretty intimate relationship with Hermes and um, actually worked with him a little bit when I was doing long distance hiking and long distance traveling, as well as Odin. Um, Odin is a bit of a, 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 you know, a spirit or deity um, who he's the wanderer, you know? So like Mm, those of us, mm -hmm. I think of the hermit card in the tarot. Um, you know, the hermit doesn't necessarily just stay in one place um, there. And even in the card, there's movement there. They, they're holding a lantern and walking on a mountain. So um, when I was doing long distance hiking, I wore a mercury dime. And mer- there's some um, synchronization with Hermes, Odin, Mercury, mm-hmm. mercurial deity there. Um, so... I did work with Hermes with long distance hiking and primarily that was just like wearing the mercury dime and kind of like carrying the spirit of Hermes with me and like being open to the trickster nature of travel in and of itself, because there is a, um, that liminality. And I think with liminality, there's like a trickster spirit energy moving through there. Um, so just kind of like going with the flow, if, you know, things pop up when we're traveling that we don't quite expect and like 
moving with that energy and just the curious, interesting people and situations that we encounter during travel. Um, That's what I think of. That's really interesting too, especially that you bring up this idea of, of wandering mm-hmm. to as travel. I hadn't thought of that until you, you just said that. Cause I was thinking just kind of like, again, from one place to the other, you know, destination oriented, but this idea of kind of wandering mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of travel in that way. And so what's interesting is that different spirits will line up with different types of travel. So, you know, talking, I, I feel like maybe Hermes might be more of kind of like a, a, a transactional point A, point B, whereas, Odin, maybe more about kind of like a wandery sort of an idea. Mm-hmm. And then that also goes over into places like, you know, you could find that in areas like, um, you know, Jesus, you know, did a lot of wandering, traveling from place to place, um, things like that. So you can call on those aspects of different kind of spirits or religious figures. I'm not too familiar with Eastern, um, like, religious ideas but i I believe that didn't buddha do a fair amount of wandering as well or or kind of traveling Um, i believe so but i'm not 100 percent sure on that because i'm not really up to date and um active within that that spiritual realm don't quote us on that but the idea being that there are there are fair there are a fair amount of kind of religious figures throughout the history that they did a lot of travel or a lot of wandering and so we can call upon those aspects of them for help with travel or or safety while traveling Mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um, I like to work a lot when I'm traveling with St. Christopher, who is a um, patron saint of, of travelers. Um, his story is kind of very specific to that, especially when it comes to water crossings. Cause oh. his story is that kind of like St. Christopher was a, was an enormous man. Like it, they, they give it, I think in like cubits or something in the Bible. And, and it's, I, I used to know how tall he was. It was something like he was over seven feet tall. Wow. Um, just this big beastly man. Um, And so he decided that he wanted to serve God, didn't know how to serve God. And someone was like, Hey, how about you let, how about you help people cross this really high raging river? Cause you're enormous. You can carry people across. And he's like, great. I can serve God or Christ or whatever through that. And so that was his job was carrying people from one side to the other. And then one day there's like this baby that shows up like this little toddler. And he's like, um, okay. And the toddler's like, carry me across. And he's like, all right. So he he carries him across and and about halfway through the river rises and the, and the kid becomes very, very heavy. And he barely makes it across to the other side. And when he does, the kid's like, oh, BT dubs, I'm Jesus. You felt the weight of the world that I carry on your shoulders or something to that effect. And then just vanishes, just kind of pieces out. Um, because a lot of people don't realize that the Christ child is has very intense trickster undertones to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that was kind of a that was kind of a mean trick, but um, that was kind of his experience with the Christ child. So that's why we often see St. Christopher as kind of crossing a river holding the Christ child. And so he's been called upon a lot to help in travel, to make sure people get from point A to point B safely and to carry them through that. Um, When we had the fires and I just had to just hit the road and and go somewhere and hope that wherever I went also wasn't on fire. And we were up in the air for over a week. Um, I worked a lot with St. Christopher and we had a golden ticket to everywhere. Like, you know, my mom's work decided to pay for our hotel rooms. We always were able to find a room. We were always able to find safe spaces. We were always like, and I really feel like that was something I owe to St. Christopher in a Mm. lot of ways. I love that. And I really like that aspect of like crossing bodies of water because that can Mm -hmm. be really stress inducing. So it makes me think of like, um, taking a ferry, like if you got to put your car on a ferry or something like that. And what about like, um, if you were taking a long distance trip, you know, in a boat, would that also be included in St. Christopher's? I would say yes. Um, a lot of the times whenever, especially if you're trying to get from one side to the other, like if you're trying to do like a, like a crossing from like, the US to the UK or something. Mm-hmm. You're trying to do like a boat ride from one place to another, as opposed to like a cruise where you just kind of hang out and then come back. Right. Um, I, I would definitely feel like that would fall under his jurisdiction. And it's so interesting because the river is such a metaphor for a lot of different things too, kind of like this, like any sort of transitionary period where it's rough, where it's unstable, where you have where you feel like you have to leave solid ground. 
mm-hmm. and kind of entrust yourself on this in this transitionary area before you get to the other side. Um, there, there, there's a lot of metaphor there, but a lot of times people will work with him specifically for water things. So for instance, if people are doing a border crossing from Mexico into the United States, they'll often work with Santo Toribio, who is um, the kind of patron saint of border crossings. And they work with him pretty much all the time for, for border crossing. But if you are going to cross a river or do it with specifically a water crossing, then mm-hmm. sometimes they'll work with St. Christopher. Um, so kind of the travel depends sometimes on what exactly kind of terrain you're going over to, to figure out which spirit that you might work with as well. Fascinating. That's really interesting. Um, it makes me think of like all the water crossings that I had to do on my long distance hikes. Some of them were like, mm-hmm. even if it was just a little creek, like swollen with snow melt, like it would have been probably nice to have had a St. Christopher medallion around my neck, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. I just had my little um, mercury dime, but it kept me protected. There was a couple of times um, through my hikes where I had to cross creeks that were, you know, like crotch deep. And um, man, when you're crossing a creek crotch deep and it's like icy, icy cold water, your legs go numb and you look down at the swirling water, you get a little dizzy and you're like, oh, God, um, it's it's dangerous. There was a few times where I really was like, OK, my life is definitely at risk right now. <laughs> right. And those rocks under there will be slippery, slippery. Like- Ooh, river crossings, definitely dangerous. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Love a good bridge. Yeah, love a good bridge. <laughs> God bless bridges. <laughs> uh, definitely helpful. <laughs> uh, oh, God, there was more. We were talking about this before we started. Um, oh, Hecate. Yes, Hecate. Mm-hmm. Nice. Definitely a liminal um, psychopomp who ushers people from one place to the next. And I think Hecate kind of gets overlooked for travel protection. But it's good to remember that crossroads um, were her space or are her space rather, especially three way crossroads. Um, But I think crossroads in general are kind of her realm. Um, But, you know, people would leave offerings to her at the crossroads through their travel Um, and as well as to Hermes and Mercury. Um, They would leave offerings there. So um, I think she's definitely someone you can call upon. Um, You could wear something dedicated to her. Um, I find that really helpful, especially when doing deity work. I really love to wear something that represents them because I feel really connected to them um like right now i recently put back on my mercury dime uh for protection mm-hmm. and for like traveling and stuff so yeah i love that and too like hecate is one of those spirits that has many different um kind of epithets that connect her with different things mm-hmm. and i believe it's anodia i think that's how you say it is her aspect of like the crossroads or of the road Mm-hmm. Um, that is kind of her, that, that is her specific, um, version of herself that, that deals with that. Um, there was something else I was going to say. Oh, and then she also has these great aspects of things like keys, mm-hmm. you know, to open pathways, the torches to guide us in places where we might be lost. And sometimes when you are traveling, you sometimes quite literally get lost, especially if you're doing international travel or you're in a place that you're unfamiliar with. Um, getting lost is definitely a thing that can happen either, you know, on your way to a destination or even once you get there, um, you know, having someone around that might be able to help guide you. Mm-hmm. Um really helpful uh similarly mary as well i've seen sometimes people connect her with the road for a few different reasons kind of like the the bible story of them going back to oh god i'm failing sunday school right now where where did they travel to joseph and her i think they go back to bethlehem or something like that um is that right (laughs) is that the one i don't oh god my sunday school teachers is like just smacking me through the through the ether right now mine too Um, because I forgot. <laughs> they have to go back for the census. Um, and so there's like that travel aspect. Um, so like her and St. Joseph are often kind of talked with for the road or mm-hmm. in the Guadalupe story. Um, she meets up with Juan Diego on the road at one point. 
Mm-hmm. And so like those little pieces of the story sometimes are kind of pulled out and used as kind of like symbols for being like, okay, the spirit and the road um, can be put together. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, kind of going back to Hecate, another one of her titles is the far darter. Oh. Uh, and I really kind of like that energy of the far darter is like um, setting your target or yeah, that point A to point B and mm-hmm. um, a, 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 as well as like the torches that you were speaking of. I kind of had forgotten about that, like the, the torches lighting the way. I really like that. I like that. I like that. So yeah, so there are definitely a whole host of spirits you can actually work with, not only to bring about travel, if you're trying to kind of petition to have some opportunity for travel, you can work with these spirits, you can also work with them, um, you know, on on your way as well, mm-hmm. you know, for protection. Um, and these don't have to be simply, you know, non-corporeal entities there are also very earthbound spirits that we can work with as well. So like the plant wood betony um, is often very useful for protecting travelers. Mm -hmm. Um, It depends on who you ask. Some people say that you put it in your shoes. Other people say that you carry um, wood betony in your left pocket um, while traveling to protect you. Similarly, like mugwort in the shoes as well is supposed to keep your keep you from um, getting tired while you're walking mm-hmm. as um, well as uh, to prevent injury. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. And another one is um, comfrey root. Comfrey mm. root is also either worn in the shoe or carried in the pocket to help um, with traveling. And um, I really like working with comfrey root and mugwort. I haven't worked mm. with wood betony very much. It's an that interesting try. plant. I've been kind of working with it lately. It's very, it has a lot of like purifying properties. It's got a lot of protective properties, Um, but it's one that a lot of people don't come across a lot. And I definitely challenge people who um, maybe have never heard of it to check it out and, um, and see, see what the spirit of wood betony has in store for you. Mm -hmm. And I would also like to add a shout out to our personal helping spirits they can absolutely be called upon. Um, I have a, a a spiritual court of about five spirits that I regularly engage with. And quite a few of them actually are very helpful with travel. And as a matter of fact, like one of my primary spirits, um, I work with them to travel to the other world and as well as like acting as a protector while I travel. Is something to think about. So don't overlook like spirits that um, are known to you that you already work with um, to call upon um, with travel protection and um, like being guided and kind of being shown the way because they can they can really help us. And they're our, our allies as well as, you know, ancestors. Like if we had an ancestor who was super travel oriented, like my grandmother and grandfather were both Sagittarius. And mm-hmm. as we know, Sages just love to travel. And um, they've traveled all over the world. So. Well, definitely, I'm coming up on a trip here in the next few days if the snow melts. And um, I'm definitely calling on my mamma and carrying a little bit of her with me um, in, in the form of like, she gave me a bunch of scarves. I'm going to wear a scarf of hers and just like carry her energy with me. She was also just a fun person to travel with. She was just exciting. So you always need road buddies. Yes, road buddies. Yes. And, you know, unless you are 100% indigenous to the place where you live, you had ancestors that went through immigration, migration, all these things to get from one place to the other. Some of them, you know, came over by boats that mm-hmm. took months and and all of this stuff, you know, traveling back in the old day, whether it was by wagon or by boat or whatever it was, was treacherous. And so these are people who understand travel. These are people who have been through it. Um, and you may be able to call upon them to help you get through from point A to point B as well. Mm-hmm. I like that. You know, actually, um, maybe you know this, Jay, but where I live, I'm like five minutes away from the um, original Oregon Trail ruts. Yeah. So you can like go out into the sagebrush and like see the actual ruts of where the pioneers came through. And you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I bet that dirt is super magic. 
I bet that that is absolutely true. I was just thinking that myself. And how wild is it that that stuff is still there? I mean, it mm-hmm. seems like it was so long ago, but really, it was not that long ago. No, it was <laughs> not that long. I mean, it was not that long ago enough to leave still ruts in in the dirt and stuff and like artifacts and things from uh, their travel. And that that spot is also like a hot spot for uh, coyotes. And coyote has a little bit of a traveler energy. However, I would be a slightly reluctant to take coyote with me on a trip. Yeah, you're just in for a bunch of fuckery, I feel like. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> uh, it would be fun, though. It would be fun. You you may not get there when you thought you would, but right, least, yeah. If uh, you're out, if you're out for like a loosey goosey like trip where you're like anything goes, maybe bring coyote with you and it can spice things up. But I, if I'm like I need to get from point A to point B, I would probably be like coyote, you're nice, but maybe later. <laughs> we need to be more efficient in this traveling right now. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure you would learn a lot from that experience, but sometimes that's not always the vibe for the travel. Mm-hmm. Um, but you actually did, I, if I remember correctly, have an experience of sort of being escorted by a coyote um, mm-hmm. kind of out of an area. So that's an interesting idea of kind of like animals that, that do kind of show that behavior of kind of moving with you through a space for a certain amount of time to get you from point A to point B. Right. You know what? I kind of forgot about that experience. So just for listeners, um, I was out in the sagebrush out by the Oregon Trail ruts, actually. And um, my dog and I encountered a coyote yipping and howling off in the distance. And um, we watched her for a little while. She was far away. And um, I got up and began to walk back to my car And she trotted behind us and followed us. And like every time I would stop, she would stop and just stare at me. And this continued on for about a mile. I was a Mm -hmm. little bit freaked out, um, but I knew that like a coyote, generally speaking, it's not always the case. Generally speaking, they will not mess with you. So I made sure to have my dog leashed the whole time. And um, yeah, the Coyote escorted me back to my car, quite literally. And generally, they do that as a form of protective behavior um, for a den nearby that may have pups. Mm -hmm. So that's generally why they do that kind of behavior. And a really great book, if you're interested in the myth and life and um, the culture of coyote in America, is a book called Coyote America. It's really, really good. Um, and it's quite a sad story because coyotes, I know we're going off on a tangent here. Coyotes were were um, heavily um, affected by eradication efforts. Mm-hmm. They tried to wipe coyote off the face of the earth. And um, little did they know that when you try to suppress a coyote population, they just come back stronger. Yep. For sure. And it's interesting, too, though, we're talking about coyote and travel or getting from one through a transition or from one point to the other. Um, I don't know where the origin of this term comes from or why they use it. But when you go to do a border crossing from Mexico to the United States, you often hire or or work with um, people that are known as coyotes that mm-hmm. get you across the border without papers. It's kind of the, what they what they do. Um, and so you would need to kind of either hire them or get involved with them in order to to go through or at least have mm-hmm. help doing that. Not everybody does that, but um, but that's who you would go to to get over to the other side. So I'm curious now to see where that might come from. We will do some more research, and maybe this has prompted y'all to do some more research about coyote and uh, travel spirits. So, yeah. Uh, so when you travel... Are you are you like me? Do you make altars everywhere that you go? <laughs> you know, I do. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a super elaborate altar, but I generally will set out my stuff. Um, so mm. I'll have maybe a small figurine or a candle or my rosary. I lay that out with my tarot cards and I do build a little space for myself with my journal and all of my things that I work with daily. Like they always come with me. I think with this upcoming trip I have, I've been like thinking about all the things that I'm going to bring with me. And I'm definitely bringing a candle. Um, 
But yeah, I definitely do that. It's kind of interesting thing that us witches do is we just build altars everywhere we go. It doesn't matter like what the space is like. We just end up organizing trinkets in a in an aesthetically pleasing way. <laughs> it's so true. And my poor poor husband is an interior designer and so he has kind of a an aesthetic or something that he's trying to like, you know, keep within when it comes to how our home is, is put together and decorated and stuff like that. Meanwhile, I'm like any surface that will hold still. I'm turning into an altar. I'm putting like statues on it and candles on it. He's like, do, do we need a seventh altar? And I'm like, yes, 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 we do. Um, clearly. Um, so this poor man, (laughs) but yeah, so definitely I, I think that's a witch thing that a lot of people can, uh, sympathize with. I myself definitely, whenever I'm traveling, it kind of depends on where I'm traveling and for how long. Um, if, if, if it's something like the fires where it was kind of up in the air, I packed the ancestors. I had my Mary statue. I had, I had everything kind of packed up with me to go. Um, or we tend to do kind of a trip every year around Dia de los Muertos. And so I bring mm-hmm. the ancestors with us when we go. Um, so that wherever we are, I can then send, set up kind of like an ofrenda to them, which is also why I don't tend to have like big elaborate setups for Dia de los Muertos um, is because I'm often traveling during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can definitely bring them with what I do in order to kind of get them from point A to point B is I have um, like a very thick knit um table runner essentially is what it is is it is it's it's kind of like a woven blanket i think it's wool um but it's thin so or it's not necessarily thin it's it's not very wide (laughs) it's not like a whole blanket or a whole tablecloth it's very narrow there we go that's where i'm looking for um and that way too i can roll up the little picture frames with the pictures and some statues and maybe like a few candles i can just roll it up into this table runner and then it's all not only is it kind of cushioned so that it's not going to break, but then it's also all in one place. So I can Mm -hmm. get like some of my picture frames. I can get like a novena candle, a little Mary statue, a little bottle of Florida water. I can get all of that rolled up into this little thing and then just throw a rubber band around it. And then they're good to go. And I don't have to worry about them anymore when I'm traveling. I like that. Yeah. You just like roll it up like they did with Cleopatra when she met Caesar. Um, exactly. they, they rolled her up in a carpet and <laughs> she un- unveiled herself. <laughs> Is that really how that happened? <laughs> I'm pretty sure if you watch the HBO uh, series Rome, which I highly recommend because it is a fairly, I mean, we can speculate how fairly accurate it was, but yeah. it's a historical, historically accurate depiction of Rome. And um, yeah, they have a great scene with Cleopatra when uh they roll her out of the carpet and she stands before Caesar and she's just like, Oh, Oh, hello. <laughs> okay. I need to know more about this. Cause this is so extra and I need to make an entrance like this myself. So I need details. So is she like vertical and kind of just like spins out of it or do they yeah. like lay her down and roll her out of it? Yeah. They lay it down and then they just like roll her out of it. And then she just tumbles out of it and stands up and she's kind of in the show. She's a little bit like, you know, coated in dirt and stuff. Um, it's really cute. Um, and in, in the show, the, the person who plays Cleopatra does such a good job. I mean, she is just this tough bitch. I love it. that is amazing i need to arrive somewhere like that now Mm -hmm. maybe if we ever do like a live podcast recording somewhere you can just carry me out in a rug and then just let you out just (laughs) let me out (laughs) just just like you're undoing a yoga mat just snap me out into the audience that'll Mm -hmm. be that's hot i need that Mm -hmm. okay wow i you learn a new thing every day on this podcast Mm-hmm. But I really like that rolling it up into a little like, yeah, like a table runner. Like I use a table runner as a scarf. It's got little skulls on it and it's so adorable. Um, but yeah, sometimes I've used that table runner to like cushion things to keep them safe. But I have like this beautiful, big handwoven basket that I take with me and it's like my witch basket. And that's where I put everything when I'm traveling. 
um, it keeps it nice and safe and it has a little clasp on it. So it like hooks over and like encloses everything. Mm-hmm. So that's where I put all my witch stuff and I'm looking at it right now and I, I need to fill it up for my trip. All my witch shit in there. Yeah, gotta get witchy on the road. And for those of you listening, of course, I think today's episode is very much uh, geared towards road travel. If you are getting on a plane, um, you may have to unroll the ancestors like Cleopatra um, for the TSA. And you also cannot take Florida water on a plane. So I just wanted to throw that out. Mm-hmm. Um, flammable liquids, not so much of a thing. Um, so... <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't get over that visual of snapping somebody out of a rug. <laughs> I love it so much. That's I'm, that's my new favorite thing. Okay, so in your car, do you do you set up sacred space? Do you do you? Uh, I think kind of altar dashboard altars is kind of a thing that we're seeing more and more of these days. And as we're getting into the subject, I would like to simply. Um, state for the record before we go into this that anything that you place in your car that is loose um like big crystals or anything like that becomes a projectile in the event of a car wreck um so if you are going to engage in altar or dashboard altars of any kind just know that anything that you'd put in there could be harmful at some point right um there was that there's that one thing that goes around every so often of of someone who has hot glued crystals to like the center part of their steering wheel so that they can get like an energy charge while they drive. And it's like, but then you also, if your airbag deploys, you have turned your steering wheel into to just like a claymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> so just be sort of mindful in, in that regard. Um, but Moving on from our safety tip here, um, do do you create any sort of altar dashboard? Do you rearview mirror stuff? What's your what's your vibe with the travel? Well, I just got a new car, so I'm kind of like feeling out the uh, interior ecology of my car. Um, I've been. Yeah, it's been um, it came to me very clean on the inside, so it actually smells really good in the inside of my car right now. And I haven't really wanted to disrupt it because it has been um, it's very peaceful inside of my car. And I've been very picky about what I'm going to put in there. So I was like, oh, I'll just take all of my dashboard stuff that I have in my truck and put it in my car. And I'm like, "Mm, no, not going to do that. Um, We're going to start clean and like fresh. So um, I do have like uh, plant allies, like if I'm out and about and I collect plants, I very often throw them in my uh, dash um, on top. And um, I definitely hang things from my rearview mirror, like a rosary or my St. Christopher medallion that you had given me mm-hmm. and things like that. But it's like um, it's something that I don't do necessarily intentionally. I let Mm -hmm. it build up over time. So eventually it just kind of becomes its own thing. So if I'm walking a beach and I happen to pick up a really beautiful rock or a seashell, I'll Mm -hmm. add that. Or if, you know, there's flowers that I happen to pick, like really love yarrow um, Mm -hmm. in a car. Mm -hmm. And I really, really love to collect sagebrush and juniper. And I put that way in the front, like where the window meets the dash Um, Mm -hmm. because like when you put on the, um, the heat, it Mm -hmm. radiates the scent through your car. And, um, so it's like a natural air freshener. So, um, I like to do things like that, but just heads up, if you do put herb matter in the dash of your car, it does degrade because of the sun, you know, Mm -hmm. it like degrades a lot faster. So you'll end up having like one time I brought in a bunch of goldenrod and I, it was like the first time I'd really worked with goldenrod. After you pick goldenrod, it fluffs. So I had goldenrod fluff all inside of my oh. truck. Oh, no. <laughs> it was so irritating. So I just like swept all of it up and scattered it to the wind. And I was like, grow, go grow. Um, and what a great way to get to know goldenrod. Too. <laughs> right. Just like blowing up in my truck. Um, so... Yeah, I'm looking at my my car right now, the one that I just recently got, and I'm it's going to be a slow process, but eventually I will have like a little dashboard altar. But for this trip that I'm taking, definitely bringing a rosary because I feel 
that Mary has um, a very protective quality about her um, mm-hmm. in general. And I really love her warm, inviting energy. And I want to carry that with me. I love that. And I like we are talking about kind of like the slow accumulation of things instead of kind of going out there and being like, you know, I'm going to do exactly this, but kind of like letting it naturally evolve mm-hmm. over time. And I like the incorporation of plants too, because plants are very powerful. They have scent, they have certain properties that are very helpful for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially for someone like a, a nervous traveler or a nervous or a nervous driver, you know, putting lavender in the car might be helpful for you, or maybe you want certain kinds of protection or, um, or maybe you just like the flowers that you found. Um, mm-hmm. You can put those things in there. And, and if for some reason you do roll your car, they're not going to um, become a major hazard to you. It's, it's a bundle of yarrow. That's not something that's going to be harming you in the event of an accident. Right. Um, so I do like that. I like that a lot. What about you? Do you build? How's your car looking? You got a little dashboard altar? So I am I am like old school Mexican-American. I love a good like saint statue, like magnetized to your, your car dashboard. Um, old school like that. Um, I'm a big rear view mirror paraphernalia person. I, I think that the rear view mirror hanging stuff can also be kind of like an altar. Um I found that if I get the the plastic rosaries, like the ones that you can find for like 75 cents in any sort of like church shop or whatever, um, they do that thing where if you twist the beads together, they'll lock into place. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like Mardi Gras beads will do that as well. And so what I do is I'll get like one of those rosaries. And what you can do is you can slip like a saint card into the cleft of the rosary down where like it um, it joins at the at the center bead there. You can slip a saint card in there and then just above it, you can twist the bead so that they lock into place and then it holds that saint card um, in your rosary. And wow. so you can, yeah. So I like to do that. And then that way too, depending on how I, I get it oriented, I like to, sometimes I like to like make it so that the saint is like facing like out the windshield, like they're navigating, you know, mm-hmm. um, other times I just let them just do whatever they want. And then you can also hang certain saints medals or, or other spirits. If you're not working with saints, you know, you can, you can do like a, like a, like a Hecate medal or um, whatever it is that you work with. There's mm-hmm. symbols from all over the world um, that you can do. So I often treat the rear view mirror a little bit like, um, like an altar and i like to that it's, it's kind of secured to something as well so if something happens it's not just gonna fly around the car um mm-hmm. if i do a little altar what i like to do is i like to travel with like a mini altar i'll make like a pocket altar yes. so for instance like um a, a nice little travel altar that you can do is like using an Altoids container. Mm-hmm. Um, I love using an empty Altoids container because it just folds up, slips into a pocket or into a bag really easily. And inside you can have like a little tea light and maybe a little sink card and maybe a little, um, a little bundle of herbs or things like that, that you can put into that. And that can sit on your dashboard. And then when you're ready to go, you can just close it up and leave and take it with you. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very portable. It doesn't have to be a big elaborate thing. Um, so I do like to utilize kind of Altoid containers in that way or anything kind of like that. That's that size. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get small boxes and stuff like that too. But I, I think everyone kind of has like an empty Altoid container somewhere in their car anyway. Right. So just kind of like finding something that was garbage 10 minutes ago and making it into like a sacred space. I love that idea. I love that, too. Um, And don't forget to check out our episode on dollar store magic, because the last time I was at the the dollar store, they had like little little wooden boxes um, that could be super, super helpful. Um, So I was actually just thinking about creating a space in my center console, you know, where you lift up the thing and you can put some protection in there um, or in your glove box. Like if you don't Mm -hmm. want it totally visible because some of us are flying under the radar still and like we don't want our we don't want to air out our witchiness so mm-hmm. hiding things um in little spots like that like maybe a warding rock or a crystal mm-hmm. or um a charm or something like that a bundle of herbs you can definitely slip in there and uh and 
protect yourself as you're driving around. We are very focused on driving today. We are. <laughs> I think last episode was a lot of flying talk. Mm-hmm. So today we're kind of doing a little bit more of a of a driving situation here. But um, yeah, I think kind of the main takeaway from this episode is, is that we can definitely bring our spirits with us in a lot mm-hmm. of different ways. And spirits can either assist us in creating opportunities for travel or keeping us safe during the traveling process. So there's a spirit for everything. There really is. And they're, they're there to help and to reach out and to develop relationships with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So next time you are planning a trip, um, remember that Mama can come with if yes. you would like her to come with or we your favorite deity or spirit that you work with. Um, and if you are having trouble creating a, a plan for travel, you can also speak to a spirit about that as well. So mm-hmm. uh, definitely don't overlook the spirits and all of your travel needs. They're a little travel agency if you think about it. Really? They are. <laughs> I love that. All right. <laughs> All right, you guys, I think that kind of wraps up our episode today, our second episode. Next week, we will be back with part three, in which we will be giving you the details on some travel spells for creating travel, staying safe with travel. Uh, So stay tuned. We're going to kind of wrap this one up with a a little bang here. So yeah, some spell work. That's great. All righty, y'all. This has been a pleasure. Travel safe. And remember, do witchcraft. Do it. Support for this podcast comes from our listeners. If you would like to support Invoking Witchcraft with a one-time donation, please go to invokingwitchcraft.com backslash donate. Or if you'd like to become a premium listener, join the coven at invokingwitchcraft.com backslash coven. There you'll get access to our exclusive Facebook group for discussion and connection, as well as access to occasional workshops. We hope to see you there.